Night has come to Augustus, Illinois. At Danielle's loft in the living room, Danielle walks towards the coffee table and picks her phone up. She then scrolls through her contacts and goes to a contact that reads Mom. She then clicks on the contact and places the phone up to her ear. Hello? Hey, Mom. Oh, Danielle, hi. How are you, darling? I'm doing real good. How are you? Just another day here in the retirement village. (laughs) Anyway, what are you doing tonight? Is it going to be a quiet night in for you like it will be for me? Well, actually, I was planning to go out to dinner. I'm going to wear a great dress and some strappy sandals. Oh, I'm sure you'll look as pretty as ever. I was also going to wear that necklace, but I just wish I had some earrings to go with it. By the way, I know you told me that there were a matching pair of earrings to this necklace, but you never told me where they went. Mom, who did you give the earrings to? At Stephanie's home in the living room, Stephanie enters the room upon hearing the knock at the door. Leslie, um, hi. Hi, Stephanie. What are you doing here? How do you even know my new address, by the way? I just moved into this place last week. You certainly gave me enough time to find out your address. Leslie brushes past Stephanie and enters the home. Stephanie then rolls her eyes and turns around. Nice place you got here. I really love your fireplace. Is that oak? Yes, but I doubt that you came over here to talk to me about decorating tips. Why have you graced me with your presence? I think you know why, Stephanie. You see, I got a text from Alex earlier today, and he told me that he ran into Isabella. You know, my cousin's wife. She told Alex quite the story about how you are practically breaking up a marriage. But I guess to you, that's just another day in this town. Oh my god, I thought we were past all of this. Leslie... I know that you already knew that Christopher and I had seen one another. We're far from being romantic, by the way. So you can just go ahead and turn your crooked heels around and get the hell out of my home. I'm I'm not going anywhere, Steph. Not until I make sure you're not going to bulldoze your way through my family once again. At the Stateville Correctional Center of Illinois, Nicholas enters a waiting room and walks up to a table. He sits down across from Dominique, who is handcuffed to the steel table. Hi, Mom. Nicholas. What a lovely surprise. Here I thought that the phone call was the only time I was going to hear from you for a while. I thought so too, but that was until I realized that I needed desperately to speak with you. Oh, about what? About what I do next, in order for you to get your ultimate revenge on those who wronged you. Outside of the Harper Mansion, 
Colin is sitting in the back of an ambulance, wrapped up in a blanket. He looks around the outside of the mansion as firemen are hosing down the limousine that had exploded just moments ago. Lucinda is crying in Elaine's arms. Colin has a blank expression on his face as Caitlin walks up to him. Colin? Colin? Brother? I'm, um, I'm sorry, Caitlin. What? Oh, I'm so sorry. But they need you. The firemen need you to come and, and look at the scene. I, I'm so sorry. I can't say that enough. Okay. Uh... Colin drops the blanket to the ground and grabs his crutches. He then makes his way over to a fireman. Sir, are you Colin Harper? Colin slowly nods his head. I know this is going to be awfully hard, but I need to tell you that the person who was inside this car did not survive the explosion. I will also need you to speak to a detective when you're ready. Unfortunately, it does not look like this was a natural explosion from the car. It would appear as though there was some tampering. As the fireman puts a hand on Colin's shoulder, Lucinda and Elaine rush up to Colin and Caitlin. I'm so sorry, everyone. So very sorry for your loss. Why would someone do this? <laughs> With a saddened expression having fallen upon his face, the fireman walks off. Someone, someone, please go after that fireman. He does not know what he's talking about. He's got it all wrong. No one wanted to hurt my Emmy, except Gunnar. And he is behind bars. Come on, that, that is not fair. Gunner eventually put his feelings aside. Did he now? I must have missed that part. Between all the blackmail and the hypocritical behavior, Gunnar wanted my Emmy gone. He wanted her to suffer. He never loved her. He never loved Connor. He only viewed her as a gold digger. God, I hate that man just like he hated my daughter! Lucinda, please stop. Let's just take a walk, okay? Let's just go calm down for a bit. No, no, I'm not leaving this area. This is where my daughter last was. I cannot leave. Lucinda, I can't even begin to comprehend what has happened. And I know that you feel the same way. But we all cannot turn against one another right now. Our emotions are running high and we're all in shock. My, I, I don't even know what to focus on right now, but I, but I do know that all of us are better together than apart right now. I, I guess you're right. Elaine, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for verbally attacking you. It's, it's okay, Lucinda. Before anyone can say another word, Lakin suddenly rushes up to everyone having come from her car, which is parked down the driveway. Oh my god, are all of you okay? Lakin, what are you doing here, honey? The explosion is all over the news. It is? Yeah. Colin, is... is it true? Yeah. 
my wife. My wife is dead. <laughs> She's gone. And I don't even know how this happened. No one does. But I do know that we need to find out. At the Tasty Bean Cafe in the main area, Lenore is wiping down a few tables when Scram enters the establishment. He goes to her. Good evening, Lenore. You just don't know when to quit, do you? How many times have I had to almost throw you out on your ass? And yet, you know what? I'm done playing. So you might as well just turn around. Are you finished with the threats and the fighting words? <laughs> oh, you haven't even seen me fight yet. It's not pretty, by the way, but I'm saving it all up in order to pack the ultimate punch. <laughs> uh, that's cute. Uh, too bad you won't be able to pack said punch anytime soon. What's that supposed to mean, Graham? Graham reaches into the breast pocket of his suit jacket and retrieves a stack of papers. He hands the papers over to Lenore and she unfolds them, skimming through them rather quickly. You son of a bitch. You can't do this, Graham Williams. Oh, I can. And I have. You are not going to ruin this deal for me. I won't let you. Well, I'm going to have this protest. And I'm going to fight you. No. No, you're not. Y you must have misunderstood the papers that I just gave you. Lenore, the city is on my side. You can't hold a protest against me and my business dealings anywhere in this city, especially in this neighborhood. It's time to back down. For your own good. Good night, Lenore. Graham smiles and walks out of the establishment. Lenore then hurriedly retrieves her cell phone from the pocket of her apron. She quickly dials a number and puts the phone up to her ear. Isaac, it's me. Graham's made quite the unexpected move. Please call me back when you get a chance. Lenore then hangs up from the call. Oh, he thinks he's one of me, but I'm not done yet. And if he thinks that I'm just going to roll over and give up, oh boy, does he have another thing coming. At the community park in a private area, Isaac is walking through the park, looking down at his cell phone. He sees he has a message from Lenore. However, before he can click on the message, he suddenly bumps into a man who is also walking through the park. Oh, excuse me. The man that Isaac has just bumped into doesn't say anything. In fact, he just keeps walking. Wow, wasn't he just a joy to bump into? People can be so irritating sometimes. Isaac walks off as the man he has bumped into hangs back. The man is in fact Donovan, who is in a disguise of sunglasses and a black hoodie. Donovan takes off his sunglasses and watches Isaac walk off. Go to hell, Isaac Marshall. Donovan then puts his sunglasses back on and then rushes off into the night. Back at Stephanie's home in the living room, you know, when you had quit the magnifier, I actually had said to my dad that I thought the two of you made a good team, and that I was sad to hear you were leaving. Then, when you had went to Opulence Monthly, I truly thought you were becoming a different person for the better. 
Stephanie, unlike everyone in your industry, I actually thought you deserved to be the head of that magazine after Dominique went to prison for holding us all hostage. I supported you, all in the name of moving on and giving all of us a fresh start. No, Leslie, you've never supported me. You will say and do anything to further your good girl persona. I have worked my ass off through the years to get to where I am now. Everyone thinks that magazine was handed to me, but I was actually Dominique's right-hand woman for months. I was always in line for a promotion. Therefore, I don't need you to tell me story after story about how you supported me. And I certainly don't need you here to tell me anything where Christopher is concerned. Stephanie, you did so much damage to my family when you were with my father. I can't have something like that happen again. You might be a changed woman career-wise, but you aren't a changed woman when it comes to your taste in men. Just let my cousin and Isabella be. You don't even know the full story about your cousin and his wife. Oh, and I'm supposed to believe that you do. I know enough to know that they are toxic for each other. And not that I owe you an explanation, but I told Christopher that I do not want to truly get involved with him until he sorts this whole thing out with Isabella. That is the truth, Leslie. After the way things went down between you and my father, how am I supposed to believe that you're telling me the truth? Frankly, I don't give a damn what you believe. You can believe the earth is flat for all I care. Leslie, get this through your head. I've never held your opinion of me in high regard when it comes to how I shape my life. And I'm not about to start now. The relationship that I had with your father has been done for a long time now. And I'm not sure that Christopher and I will ever have anything worth talking about. That is the only thing I'm saying to you on this matter. Are we clear? Sure, Stephanie. Leslie smiles politely yet somehow sarcastically and then makes her way over to the door. Just remember that if you do hurt Christopher while he's vulnerable, then I'll come after you. And we both know that I'll win. Whatever you say. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Leslie. Back at the Stateville Correctional Center of Illinois, Nicholas walks into a hallway having come from the waiting room. He then reaches into the breast pocket of his suit jacket and retrieves a piece of paper that Dominique gave to him. He looks down at the paper, examining the contents. This is an amazing plan, Mom. And I know that I can execute it. I'm going to make the Marshall family pay and they won't see their karma coming. Back at Danielle's loft in the living room. Danielle, you know, I gave those earrings to your Aunt Roberta. She always had admired that jewelry set and, you know, I view all that stuff. I love what your father had given me, but you can't take that stuff with you. I just wish that you would have kept them, Mom. It's a beautiful necklace. I'm sure the earrings are beautiful as well. And I feel that much like the necklace, they could, could have been worn for any occasion, at the club, at a restaurant, or even on my wedding day. Honey, I never knew you felt so strongly about those earrings. In retrospect, I realized that maybe I should have asked you if you wanted them. It's fine, Mom. But I would like to know what they look like, though. Honey, they truly are the most 
beautiful pair of earrings in the world. They sparkle in the moonlight so effortlessly. They sparkle to the eye right away. They are just, look, I do hate to run off, but I'm getting rather hungry. No problem, Mom. Have a good night. I love you. I love you too. Danielle then hangs up from the call, but as she does, she begins to slowly wonder if her mother has always been completely honest with her. Meanwhile, at the Bell Retirement Village in Felicia's suite, Felicia is sitting in a chair in front of a lit fireplace. She's looking through a photo album. My sister, Roberta. The love of my life, Jessie. My gorgeous daughter, Danielle, my handsome son, JJ, and my other daughter. Thank God I've gotten the chance to know you. Felicia smiles as she lightly brushes the page of the album that contains a photograph of her holding a baby girl in a christening gown. What a lovely day that was. Me, my mother, Reverend McKinnis, my father, my sister, and my baby girl, my precious Stephanie. Oh, how I miss those days. Felicia then closes the album and stands from the chair. She then walks over to a shelf and puts the album next to a few books. Hopefully... One day soon, I can have good days come again. Back at the Harper Mansion in the living room, the lights are off and the only semblance of light comes from the glow of the pale moonlight shining through the large bay window. Colin is sitting on the couch looking down at a photograph of he, Emma, and Connor. Oh... My son, what am I going to tell you? My poor baby boy. We can tell him together, Colin. Colin looks up as Elaine enters the room coming from the entryway. Hi, Mom. Hi, honey. Elaine goes to Colin and sits next to him. Connor is asleep. My dear, dear son. And we can tell him something in the morning, okay? Just the two of us. I'll be there every step of the way for you. Thank you, Mom. I can't thank you enough. I'm your mother. You never have to thank me for giving you emotional support. It, It's my job. And... I think that it needs to be your job to be there for your son. Yes, he is just a toddler, yet he's going to still feel this loss. Oh, honey, I know that the coming weeks are going to be so, so difficult for you. How the hell am I ever going to get through this, Mom? How do I begin to survive this? 
you will survive it. You will. It'll just take time. It'll just take the love of family. But most importantly, it is going to take every last piece of strength that you have inside of you. But Colin, I know that you can conquer anything. I mean, my God, Colin, you thought you were never going to walk again. And now look at you. You're on crutches. You're getting better and better each day. I, I know the kind of emotions you're feeling right now are not the same, but that does not mean that your resilience is going to go away. I miss her. I miss her, Mom. I miss her so much already. Colin gets up from the couch and walks over to the window, staring up into the sky. I can already feel that her soul has left us. I'm just not ready to say goodbye. Elaine goes to Colin and puts her hand on his shoulders in a loving manner. I know, sweetheart. I know. At Lakin's apartment in the living room, Caitlin is sitting on the couch, drinking a cup of tea. She then lets out a deep breath and puts the cup of tea on the coffee table, and then she reaches for her cell phone. She begins to dial a number and then puts the phone up to her ear. Moments later, the person on the other line answers the phone. Hey, I hope you weren't about to go to sleep. Oh, I don't think I'll be able to sleep tonight, sis. I just, I just can't stop thinking about what happened today. I can only imagine what you're going through. Are you going to stay at mom's house tonight? You know, if you want, Lagan does have an extra bedroom. I'm sure she would be okay if you needed to crash here. Or you could even go to the cabin. No, I'm fine, Caitlin. I'm... Plus, my son is here, and I need to be here when he wakes up tomorrow morning. I completely understand. Have you checked on Lucinda yet? I've been so worried about her. No, I, I haven't checked on her yet. But I do know that she's staying here tonight as well. She's in the guest room right down the hall from my bedroom. Do you think it'd be a good idea if I checked on her? I would just leave her be for now. That's probably for the best. Anyways, I'm gonna get ready for bed. I love you. I love you, sis. I really do. I love you too. Good night. Back at the Harper Mansion in the guest bedroom, Lucinda is looking out of a window as she continues to lightly sob. Come in. Elaine enters the room carrying a blanket. She then makes her way over to Lucinda as Lucinda turns around. I... Uh... I was going to have Gwendolyn bring you up an extra blanket, considering that this has been known to be the coldest room in the house. But I thought 
I would just do it myself so I could check on you. Thank you, Elaine. But you do not have to check on me. With all due respect, Lucinda, that's where you're wrong. What is that supposed to mean? Lucinda, as you may know, I once lost a child. What? I, I had no idea. That doesn't shock me. It's not common knowledge. I, I miscarried my baby five months into my pregnancy. And to this day, it, it is the worst pain I have ever felt. I, I never thought that I was going to find a way out of the darkness in which I was in at that time. I had thrown myself into drinking. I had removed myself from everyone who ever cared about me. And worst of all, I labeled myself as completely worthless. Depression is a very scary thing, Lucinda. And I don't want to see you sink into that. I am here for you. I truly am. Thank you, Elaine. Elaine rushes up to Lucinda and hugs her. Lucinda lightly cries in Elaine's arms. Oh, God, of course. I can't do this, Elaine. <laughs> I, I, I can't be this strong. Shh, yes. Yes, you can, Lucinda. You can. Everything, everything's going to be okay. Meanwhile, back in Colin's bedroom, Colin is lying down on the bed in a completely dark room. He's staring up at the ceiling as the ceiling fan turns on a low setting. Colin then turns on his side. He stares at the photograph of he, Emma, and Connor, which is now on the nightstand. Oh, Emma. He picks up the photograph from the nightstand and holds it close to his chest. <sighs> Good night, my darling Emma. Good night. Colin then slowly shuts his eyes. This has been the mid-season finale of the indie series award-winning drama Forever and a Day. Created by KCS Hutchison, co-executive producer Candace Mack, co-executive producer KCS Hutchison, written by KCS Hutchison, Candace Mack, and Demi Morgan, consultant Tom Racina, music and sound effects provided by Thessalian Studios and Soundstripe, Theme song provided by Soundstripe. This episode starred Christina Sullivan as Stephanie Markham, Kalia Davis as Leslie Marshall, Michael Norberg as Nicholas Larson, Lauren B. Martin as Dominique Bradford, Quinn Van Antwerp as Colin Harper, Candace Mack as Danielle Frazier, Lucretia Lyon as Caitlin Harper, 
Anna Burmeister as Lakin Bennett, Michael Carr as Donovan Aldridge, Tony D. Head as Isaac Marshall, Blair Statmuller as Lucinda Prescott, Ron Schnitker as Graham Williams, Terry Lemer as Lenore Parkhurst, Janelle Allen as Felicia Richardson, with Elizabeth Von Isser as Elaine Harper, and Kevin Caliber as Fireman. Forever and a Day will return with all new episodes beginning Wednesday, May 18th. All past episodes are available on Anchor, FAADseries.com, and wherever you get your podcast. This podcast was recorded under a SAG AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Special shout out to all of our listeners who made our Indie Series Award win so special for Best Ensemble in an Audio Fiction Program. We truly appreciate you for listening each and every week, and we will see you for the continuation of this season in May.